It's Zach Eady with the Purdue Men's Basketball, and you're watching Boilers in the Stands. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Boilers in the Stands. I am your host, Greg Braggs Jr. Alongside me is Joe Jackson. And on the road around the globe is Craig Bowers out in Honolulu, Hawaii, who just witnessed on the scene the Purdue Boilermakers take down their second top team in the country. They took down number 11, Gonzaga, yesterday number seven team in the country, Tennessee here tonight in the Maui invitational, uh, more of a boxing match than it was a basketball game, more of a slug fest, uh, than it was X's and O's. Uh, what a game, what grit from the Purdue Boilermakers, what fight they showed, uh, credit to both teams. Uh, it was old school basketball. If you grew up in the eighties or nineties, very reminiscent of those days. Uh, you just got to tip your cap. It, even if Tennessee had came away with the win, uh, both teams, I thought just played extremely clutch, extremely hard. Uh, each team took body blows. Tennessee could have gotten knocked down here a few times in the last 10 minutes. And they kept themselves in the games with some nice play designs to open up some open threes that they then knocked down. But at the end of the day, the war of attrition goes to Purdue. Their depth continues to be a big part of their strength. And oh, by the way, before we get into anything else, because we had people in our comments, I'll pull it up for you right now for the people that want to talk their crap about Fletcher Lawyer. Let me go find the comment from yesterday's show in our show after the show was over. Here's if there's anybody on the team that I have more confidence in, in making those open shots, it's Fletcher lawyer, dumbest comment on the internet today. That was my quote that Tom Thompson called the dumbest comment on the internet today. I saw a lot of people on Twitter chirping at Fletcher lawyer in the comment sections of some of the Purdue Boilermaker social stuff they put up on their boiler ball Twitter channel. Fletcher lawyer answered the call. Ladies and gentlemen, officially the Fletcher lawyer game. You want to talk about a guy that had onions. It was Fletcher lawyer. So maybe he'll have his ups and downs. Maybe not, but for tonight point to Fletcher lawyer. And for all of you that had nasty things to say about a four and O team and a player on that team, you better be keeping that same energy for him tonight, not waiting for his next failure for your I told you so's. Fletcher Lawyer stepped up in a big way. The end one at the end, a big moment for him. We got a lot to talk about tonight, but I wanted to make sure we started the top with the Fletcher Lawyer statement game to those that want to have a sharp tongue. You, uh, you stole my opening. Maybe not. I wasn't going to bring up comments specifically, but... 
yeah, this has to start with Fletcher Lawyer. He was obviously Edie did his thing, and we'll talk about Edie, but Purdue gets smoked without Fletcher Lawyer today. And I'm already seeing some comments of, oh, the shooting, the percentage was bad. I don't care. Uh, look at everybody else on this roster. Nobody shot well. Fletcher Lawyer was the only one that was consistently getting to a shot. He was the only one that was consistently absorbing physicality. He was the only one that was just willing to shoot at times. And he got some good looks off of some Purdue stuff as well. Um, and and it was not a perfect lawyer game. I'm not going to go there, but it was the game that they absolutely needed from him. Just pure lawyer being aggressive. He made some good defensive plays. He got burned a couple times, but you know, being in the right spot to get a couple strips. He early in the first half, he gets switched on to connect, and I think he he got a steal from that too. Uh, just staying in front, like it was a gritty game. It was a ugly game everywhere, and in a game where ugly was everywhere, lawyer was one of the few players who just was able to get through it enough. Yep. A hundred percent. You got to tip your cap. He even had some good plays on the defensive end. Yep. Uh, you know, he had that one where he cut off the pass at the top of the key, called the yep. timeout, had the awareness to call the timeout. He had other defensive plays as well, getting in there, getting scrappy. And they took to Six the rebounds. fight. Six rebounds. Exactly. The guards were taken to the fight. They got in there, got their hands dirty, uh, helping on the glass, helping on the defensive effort. Tennessee was the one that took the first punch in the first half. They went up nine and a technical foul in a lot of ways with Tennessee of all teams complaining to the refs that they weren't getting enough calls. They get, they start to get some calls, but they also got a technical foul on them. And then all of a sudden the foul show broke out. And, and I said in the second half, when they were complaining about calls, Hey, you guys were the ones that were begging to the refs to get calls. Well, it cuts both ways. You want the refs to start blowing the whistle on over the back on Zach Eady? You got those calls. But then when you go over the back on Zach Eady, you're going to also get those calls. And then what did that result into? 74, 75, it was either 75 or 76 free throws shot on the day by both teams. I mean, that's a high number that we don't see even for Purdue standards with as many calls as they get. I want to shout out this comment from Taterology. He goes, once again, Tennessee loses to Purdue in football. And that's what it, <laughs> that's what it felt like. That's really what it felt like. Uh, 78 free throws combined between the two teams. In a yeah. game where each team only had... Each team had 73 possessions, roughly. And there was a combined 78 free throws. That That's just... Uh, yeah, Part of and, who Tennessee is. Like, they're a physical defense. They're yep. an insanely good defense. Part of what they do is be super physical and it it produces also really good at just drawing fouls. Yep. And we got a few people in chat. SLK Boiler, that was not enjoyable at all. No. Blake Widmer, uh, no enjoyment watching that game. I come from a different era where I watched the Detroit Pistons and the Chicago Bulls battle it out. The New York Knicks and the Michael Jordan Bulls uh, literally trade punches down the court uh, perennially. Uh, I enjoy that brand of basketball. Uh, I miss those days of basketball and that's, it was a throwback here tonight. Uh, I can appreciate the new game. I, Steph Curry is one of my favorite players. The warriors and their dynasty run uh, is basketball poetry in my opinion. Uh, and when the Purdue Boilermakers are moving the ball and everyone's shooting on all cylinders. Yeah, that absolutely can be a pretty game, but I can see the beauty in the ugliness of a game like tonight and you know, Tennessee you know, I'll tip my cap to them. I didn't think, you know, there were some tough fouls. Trey Kaufman run took one across the face. You know, you can, we can parse through which calls were bad and which calls were good and all that. But to me, I thought it was pretty even across the board. 
Uh, you know, there, there were some calls Purdue got that I was like, ah, you know, with all the calls getting, you know, all the tough fouls, some of them were ticky tacky. I think the, the Lance Jones one where the ball was kind of bouncing around and they almost, uh, get a breakaway and they get a little, um, you know, um, you know, a reach in call, you know, that, that was a tough one for them. But at the end of the day, I just enjoyed how these teams traded punches and neither team backed down. Uh, we got a lot, there's a lot to get into as far as individual performance, team effort, um, you know, guys that were, you know, for me that I was echoing to Joe and Craig in, in our group chat, uh, that, that I'm getting frustrated with, we'll get into all that, but this yeah. is an extreme, this is, this is such a big win for Purdue. Uh, they, they keep their undefeated streak here in the regular season, um, uh, non-conference play. I think it moves to either 28 or 29 games in a row of, of, wins over you know non-conference opponents that include Villanova, UNC, Gonzaga two years in a row, um, you know, now Tennessee tonight. And they they've put some big wins on their resume. So they're either going to take on the number one team in the country in Kansas or Marquette in a rematch from last year's game at Mackey Arena. Number one or number four, you're going to have a a top five matchup in the country tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so, you know, Purdue's passing tests here early yeah. on Purdue. The, the Jay bill has said it on the, on the call that this game is going to make both teams better. Absolutely. What do you think big 10 play looks like exactly what we saw here tonight? You know, the big 10 right now, as it looks, doesn't look like it's having uh, their best year. But at the same time, I have no doubt when we get into Big Ten play, it's going to turn into slugfests and ugliness. And to watch Purdue not back down, you know, Fletcher Lawyer, you know, had a great first half, you know, it, for him to carry that over in the second half, hit some big shots, continue to stay with it. Um, you know, all these guys, it, it, there were some struggles shooting the ball, certainly some struggles from the free throw line. You know, I've been tough on Trey Kaufman. Ren we will get into him, but he, even he and Caleb first connected where Caleb gave him a little shuffle pass. Uh, Trey Kaufman Ren did a nice job of sealing his guy off for an easy two. You know, they're grinding out there. All these guys are. So, you know, Matt Painter was shown in the locker room. They produce social team, put something out where he was talking to the team in the locker room like, Hey, we're all in this together. This is a team effort. We just got to fight and scratch to win these games. And they they're buying into that here early on. And I think we all expected that with the carryover from the roster. And now you add Lance Jones into the mix, who has a nice little step back three that literally shakes and breaks a guy's ankles. Uh, you know, there's just some big things happening. He hit a big free throw at the end as well. I'm I'm hyped. That kind of game. I was screaming at my TV. I was pounding my chest. Braden Smith with the little tear teardrop off the glass, knowing Zach Eadie's there as his insurance policy. I just enjoy watching these guys shine in the clutch moments and showing their moxie. So I'm trying to like purge all of this energy out of my system so we can get into some of the basketball talk that we do here on Boilers in the Stands. Yeah, that was a that was a lot there. I before I, one thing before we kind of get into everything is um, lawyer deserves a ton of credit today, and we have already you know we've said our piece on him, and we're going to talk about him more. Um, it's and this is just shows I think where 
we can't write players off off of one or two games. Lawyer has had out of the four games before this, I would say he's had two solid games and two bad games. Like he's had two bad games. No, no denying that. Um, we just, especially four or five games into a season, you just can't write these players off like that. It is more of my thing. Cause lawyer may come out and have a stinker tomorrow. Like maybe that happens, but then maybe it's, you know, Heidi that comes through or Colvin who both were not good today. Like that's where this depth comes in of, Hey, it can be anybody's night on any, it can't be anybody's night on any given night. Um, and I think, as long as, and I know this is where Purdue fans will be like, hey, I don't know if I trust that. As long as within game, Painter's kind of going with who he needs to go to down the stretch. So, like, if it's not a lawyer game, then he's not playing it down the stretch like uh, yesterday. Then I think you got to just stick with these guys. You just got to stick with them. There's going to be ups and downs. But with how there's 10, they're 10 deep right now. You're hoping you can get five players at the end of the game that Painter can be like, I trust those five guys right now. And those are the fives that get out there. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, you know, and how many fouls did Fletcher Lawyer draw? They said it on the telecast, like seven or eight fouls where he drew for the Something other team. Like you know, and now because we always seem to like push Zach Eady down the list of people we talk about, even when he has a great game. But I'll say it: uh, we said it last night, and it sounds silly to say with the stats he has. Uh, but now, to me, it's three games in a row where he hasn't had his best game. I didn't really. I, I, I have a higher standard for Zach Eady's dominance and maybe I'm greedy and maybe I uh, take it for granted, but you know, he, he rarely gets in foul trouble. And I thought a couple of them were ticky tack and uh, the refs, you know, hearing what Tennessee's bench and their coach was saying uh, to get some of those fouls called. Uh, but at the end of the day, he got in foul trouble, which kind of kept him on the bench. So that's, you know, I'm not saying he had as much of a bad game when it comes to like what he was doing on the court. I'm saying the fact that he wasn't available for large stretches of this game was another reason like you didn't have your best Zach Eady game because of that. He, he had to, you really had to stretch out different rotations and different players. And so credit to Caleb, I've been hard on the fours and I'll continue to be hard on the fours. Caleb first, Trey Kaufman run Mason Gillis. They they took care of business in those times where Zach Eady had to be off and they didn't let the game get away from him. And even at times they extended leads or held serve when Eady was able to come back in with a one point lead. So uh credit to those guys. I mean, just I'll, to- I'll say I I thought this was a this aside from the free throws, which was why oh, right that's the other aspect was the free i throw. thought this was a fine like with how much physicality there was he went seven to ten ten rebounds seven offensive um a couple ticky tech falls like you said like i think this was much better than yesterday's game in my opinion aside from the yeah. free throws which i don't think that'll happen oh, we, but he hasn't been dominant, dominant. yet he Tennessee has didn't dominant. let him be dominant today either right no and, and there's you know i think you're starting to see a little bit of a formula teams are trying to Im- implement against Zach Eady, and that's not to necessarily double, but it's to stay close enough to where you can swipe at him as he goes yep. to make his move. And that's definitely got him uncomfortable. And he's trying to work through that. One time he turned into the lane instead of doing a drop step. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying I he just needs to attack the bucket and not wait for the defense to close in on him. He's also getting fouled on every single play 
every single time he crosses the half court line, he's getting held, ripped, clawed, scratched, punched. And, you know, it's funny to me that then the smallest little um, contact he gives, uh, he gets a foul, like the one where it should have been an offensive foul where, you know, Tennessee drives in on him, uses one of, you know, Tennessee uses their hands to try to extend to push off of ED to create separation on the layup. And Zach gets called for the foul. So he's got to work against those things. Um, so he did a good job at the end, staying out, not getting fouled out, um, you know, in the last four minutes of the game. So uh, certainly not saying, you know, um, from the free throw aspect too. I mean, across the board, this whole team just killing me on the free throws. Yeah. Um, but Trey Kaufman, Ren, and and and, and uh, Zach Eady were right at the front of that. It was driving me absolutely insane. And th- and that's kind of the Braden. thing. And Braden, 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 Braden is the yeah. free throw shooter. Right. And, and those were at the end though, like where the yeah. game was somewhat in hand, you know, the two, the first two, the second two, whatever. I mean, the game was over at that point. Uh, but yeah, none of it's good. Uh, Edie had zero turnovers. Yeah. So like I said, I understand that what I'm saying is a little ridiculous. I, I, what I'm trying to say is my standard for what I consider a good to great game for Zach Edie is much different than anyone else's good to great game. So uh, I'll continue to, um, you know, preface my criticisms of where I think Zach should be, but I I guess I'm spoiled by the national player of the year. JB points out in the chat, Edie went nine for nine after starting over eight. I'm not sure if that's exactly correct. I think he started over six and then went nine for 11. He started over six. And again, that was another moment. Once he finally made his free throw, there was a moment of levity where everybody kind of laughed. And in a, in a game where everyone's throwing haymakers and everyone's pissed off at the refs and the other team, they still were able to like find that moment of calm and just kind of laugh at themselves for a second. And that shows me um, an emotional maturity that maybe this team didn't have last year with their freshmen uh, guards and everyone else. Uh, I, I feel like they've been through this enough now that they're used to these kind of environments and atmospheres in this type of game, clearly being a big 10 type of slug fest. So you know, I, I see a maturity with this team. Miles Colvin being the young buck that gets a few minutes. You could tell the game was a little too big for him tonight, even though last night he's the one that put the nail in the coffin on Gonzaga. So, you know, those are learning experiences for Miles. I'm glad it came in a winning fashion. So, you know, I know I my my head is spinning because I'm just so excited that they won. I'm I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's afternoon's yes. matchup. I'm hoping, honestly hoping it's against Kansas. Bring it on. Like Joe said last week, you want to be number one team in the country? You can do it yourselves next week, Purdue. And now they have that in front of them. So I'm excited for that challenge if that's what ends up happening. I hate Hunter Dickinson with a dying passion. So my energy and excitement level is just bleeding out right now and i'm trying my best to get my focus so you can start to really break down some of the little things we saw in this game i just i haven't even arrived there yet because i still have this like that game got me so hyped it was it was a lot of fun to watch if uh last year we we had a couple we had a few two hour plus shows like everybody uh 
grab some popcorn. I think we're I think we're gonna be in for a little bit of longer one because there is there's just so much to talk about. There's I'm hype, you're hype, chat's hype. Like uh, it's it's a it's a great win, and I think th- one of the best things about this trip compared to last year is. When you look back at last season, you look back at the PK85 tournament, you could probably kind of pinpoint that as like, that was probably Purdue's best basketball of the season. This yep. does not feel like Purdue's best basketball that no, they have in them. That's a great a point. Lot. It, there's a lot of room for improvement still. And I think that's also something to, um, I don't know if be excited about is necessarily the best way to phrase that, but be excited about it. Like there's still another level or two for this team to hit. Um, yeah. Do we want to jump into stats? Yeah, we absolutely can. No, uh, uh, we can jump into stats. I'm done ranting and, and raving here. Uh, we'll get into those here right now. Um, so, yeah, as we do, we're going to hit the team stats for the game, and then we'll start to break down some individual performances. Uh, both teams really having a tough time shooting. Tennessee shoots 33% from the field on 19 of 57 shooting. Uh, Purdue 19 of 54 from the field on 35% field goal percentage, uh, three point line identical 27%, uh, shooting from the three point line for both teams. Uh, but Tennessee shot twice as many threes, eight of 30 from the three point line and only four of 15 for Purdue. Uh, that's certainly something we'll talk about, but the last two games, Gonzaga and Tennessee seemed like they had a lid on the hoop in the second half shooting threes and maybe there's a little bit of fatigue but maybe a little bit of uh puck luck as they say in hockey uh as well free throws 70 percent from the free throw line for tennessee on 21 of 30 from the stripe purdue 29 of 48 on 60 percent free throw percentage from the stripe uh so that is a grand total of 78 free throws 16 points off turnovers 10 for tennessee 10 or 16 turnovers, I should say 10 for Tennessee, 10 points off turnovers for Tennessee and only seven for Purdue off those 16 turnovers uh, or off those 10 turnovers they created Uh, 44 rebounds total for Purdue 27 on the defensive side, 17 on the offensive glass, uh, 31 total rebounds uh, for Tennessee, 10 offensive rebounds, 21 on the defensive glass. 19 second chance points for Purdue, 11 second chance points for Tennessee bench points, 26 bench points for the Tennessee volunteers, only three for Purdue Uh, points in the paint. Purdue once again, dominates there. 28 points in the paint for the Boilermakers, 18 for Tennessee fast break points, five for Tennessee, three for Purdue. Not much fast break action happening in this game. Three blocks apiece for both teams, eight steals apiece for both teams, nine assists for Tennessee, eight for Purdue. Uh, and for the for the lead times, Purdue led this game for 22 minutes. A lot of that being in the second half. Tennessee for 14 minutes of this game. A lot of that being in the first half where they were able to have a nine point lead. Joe, after I stumbled through those stats, what stood out to you? Offensive rebounding is the first thing. It's been a thing that through the, through the first four games, I think every time in the show we've been like, "Hey, like, what's up with the rebounding?" That's something Purdue dominates. Purdue dominated today. Uh, set you know, seventeen offensive rebounds to ten for them. Uh, we had a forty-five percent off offensive rebound percentage. They had twenty-seven percent offensive rebound percentage. Dominating the glass was big, especially with um, 
a lot of the missed shots that Purdue was having in the first throughout the whole game, being able to honestly just chuck up a shot and be like, Hey, Edie will go get that. Or um, who else had a, you know, Gillis had three first had two TKR had two. Um, just having that ability to go and quite literally get yourself more possessions is huge. So that's the first thing that stands out. Um, I mean the free throws cause duh. And then I didn't realize it until you kind of said it, but yeah, only three bench points and all three were off Caleb first free throws. The bench did not make a single field goal today. Granted, Purdue only made 15 field goal or uh, 19 field goals in general, but those are those are the main things. I did not realize that the bench was that. Also, the bench minutes. Um, and I pulled up. We don't have to like read through them all, but I did do these as well, uh, where it's just the Purdue stats. You see, the bench is you know first was absolutely the one Painter had to close with today, just with his physicality, his versatility. He plays 20, Gillis is 12, and then it's 7-7-6 for the other three. So the, the rotation tightened up a bit today, especially in that yeah, second half. Yeah, and if you look at that with the 7-7-6, Miles Colvin and Camden Heidi uh, stand out there. You know, for my, for both of them, you know, they're, you know, one's a redshirt freshman, one's a true freshman, and that trust there. With Camden, it's going to be interesting because at some point he's going to have to like we're going to have to find out if he can make shots, you know, from the corner, he's going to be open there. He's not always going to be able to cut to the basket. If he's able to knock down threes, which I've seen him do in practice, he's capable of it, but he's got to have the confidence to shoot them. And you can tell he does not want to shoot them. So, yeah. you know, that that's going to be tough for him. If he wants to find his way into the rotation, you can't just be a cutter. You you know, he, he does have athleticism, so he will be able to crash glass. He will be able to get, you know, into defensive passing lanes and he has that length. And so I think that'll help him at times, but yeah, sorry to jump in real quick. He's, yeah. he's three for five on the year, but all five of the four attempts came in the first game and he had one in the second game and none since then. Right. You can just tell he doesn't want to pull the trigger. You know, yeah. he's putting the ball on the ground and, and Miles will pull the trigger. He has confidence tonight. It was a little bit of bad luck. He had one go off his knee or whatever, you know, on a rebound that he had right in his hands. It would have been a key rebound in that moment. Um, then he made another mistake. And then I think after that, they took him out. So, yeah. it, you know, maybe too big of a moment, but maybe just, you know, not, not the game for him, you know, as yep. far as how it was going to. Yeah. That second half, he had that, I think he was only in for one minute and he had like, he let up an offensive rebound, had a foul, had a turnover. Um, it was just a, you know, he's a freshman. This is his fifth collegiate game. It's going to happen. And this is a crazy fit. This will be part, probably the most physical team Purdue plays all year by far. That's tough to adjust to five games in. So I, I don't, you know, I'm not holding this game too much against him. It comes with the growing pains. And, uh, you know, he, there's going to be games where, like yesterday, he comes in and drills two, three slates and he, he makes plays. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, uh, well, before we get into, you know, the, the individual performances, we can go back a little bit here to the free throws. I mean, I, I know painter is just going to say, well, they're not, they're not trying to miss free throws, but they missed 19 on the game. I, I don't really, there's not much to break down there, but at the same time, it is something we have to highlight because Purdue's secret sauces they're able to not only stay in games, but dominate games where they play, play poorly because they get to the free throw line. But a lot of that, a lot of, like last night, Zach Eady was nine to 10 from the free throw line. 
you know, tonight he missed free throws. And when that happens, that's when water starts to find its level a little bit with the secret sauce of dominance that Purdue has that gets lost on the stat sheet, you know, a little bit. And, but at the same time, while they weren't making free throws, they were fouling guys out and both bigs went out for Tennessee. And Mm -hmm. that was a big turning point because those guys were playing well, specifically uh, what's, what's the young man's name that had the, the steal off Lance Jones, you know, when he came out, yeah, Waka. I just didn't want to say his name wrong. Thank you, Joe, for the assist there. But, um, he, you know, he's, he's really good. You know, like you can tell he's, he's got a lot of potential and, and he's going to be a tough player here going forward. He rips that ball cleanly from Lance Jones and puts it back in, in a clutch moment. And then just a minute later, he fouls out of the game and that, that hurts. I mean, it was almost comical when their second big fouled out of the game. Uh, you know, I don't really, you know, I do. Yeah, I yeah, I do. Thank you, Joe, for the second assist. You're almost to a triple double here tonight. And it was almost a comical moment watching, you know, Tennessee's coaching staff try to figure out who they were going to put in there. You know, yep. they, they hadn't ran into this situation before. So that's the other thing about a, a tournament like this, because this this isn't a simulation like March Madness. You're playing back to back to back three straight days of three top 10 teams essentially in the country. You don't do that in the tournament. You, you have a day off in between your second game. Then you take a week off for your third game. And uh, so this is about depth. This is about fatigue and these, these things are playing into Purdue's hands, you know, uh, here, especially going into this third game. And so that's an encouraging thing. And that's maybe part of the reason why Purdue has had success in some of these tournaments here the last couple of years. Yeah. I want to hit on just the free throws real quick, and then maybe we can get into some more players individually. Yep. For me, if you uh, pull up this one, so there's the free throws there. Edie's nine for 17. He starts 0 for six. Like for me personally, that's just, that's something I'm not worried about. Like, I think that's an aberrant. That's just abnormality. I think that's the right word. You're, you're the English guy kind of like you, you, abnormality that's that's a word i don't know if i'm the english guy i do have a a decent vocabulary for a moron former bricklayer (laughs) but go ahead but then brain two for six like that's just not him um the only like so what i'm getting to is the only two i'm really worried about on this is tkr jones those are the two that like yeah i don't know if they're actually good free throw shooters i think you've kind of hit on it in your when you were just going like the especially down the stretch, just with how physical and how long this game was, this was like a two and a half hour game. Um, <laughs> I'm telling it does you, give you, it does give you tired legs. It's not an excuse for them missing, but it's more of just like a, or at least what I'm going to take as, hey, there's all these reasons why this was just weird, and I don't expect it to happen going forward. The one thing I will say, and if I was in the press conference, I should have maybe texted Craig about this, but it'd be kind of a scary thing to question Matt Painter, but I'd probably have the balls to ask it. I, I liked the baseline inbounds play they called at the end to get a clean mm-hmm. inbounds. They were having such trouble inbounding the ball all game long. Tennessee doing a great job of cutting off, you know, clear passing vision for the inbounds. So they did that play. We've seen and I had a feeling they were going to run it because lawyer asked the ref something before the whistle was blown. And I was like, watch Jenny, they're going to yeah. do this side to side passing on the baseline lawyer then pops onto the baseline they pass it to him 
And then Lance Jones simply just comes out right where he had passed it to lawyer and he's wide open for a clean inbounds pass. Now Lance Jones heads to the free throw line. Are you tipping your hand if you switch those two guys? Because it didn't, I, in the moment, I was like, great play, but I need Lance Jones and Fletcher switched in that uh, situation. Or is that tipping your hand to the, to the other team? Well, honestly, like now that you say it, lawyer's the one that inbounds on press breaks. Um, right. And so it'd be weird. Yeah. It'd be weird if Jones, what, like if your coaching staff is, especially now that they've seen it once, if they can pick up on that, they'll, if they see Jones inbounds, they'll be like, Hey, this is coming. Um, right. So yeah, no, I, I kind of, yeah, uh, that is interesting. I didn't think about that, but yeah, like that's not it's a normal. good inbounds play, but it's coming. It's going to a guy shooting 67% yeah. for the free throw line. I, hey, credit to Lance Jones. He knocked down the second one. I get why it's because they wanted, you know, Jones is a better ball handler and that's what he wanted there. But like you said, point. lawyer, lawyer went 10 for 11 from the line today. Like that, in all of the the shot the attempts and shot making like that can't be overlooked either. No, absolutely not. We don't overlook anything here no. at Boilers in the Sands. Here, uh, Tariq Kamel. Uh, hopefully, I didn't butcher your first name, uh, Tarek or Tariq. I apologize. So I'm apologizing to him while he's apologizing to let Fletcher lawyer. He says, I have to apologize for being a lawyer doubter, but I still think Colvin will be better than him. He's too streaky. Hey. You can't start off an apology and then finish it like that on the back end. Just give lawyer his flowers here tonight. I appreciate that you're extending the apology. And really, that's fine. If you have a difference of opinion on how the rotations or the minutes should play out, you know, from, you know, who's going to be better on defense, who's going to be more consistent on offense, we can have those debates all day long. I, I, we went through this a lot with Sasha Stefanovic here, you know, with, in his tenure as a Purdue Boilermaker. Um, sometimes guys like him and Ethan Morton and other players that have been a part of the team for a long time and understand where they're supposed to be on both ends of the court are guys that you can trust to get the pass into Zach Eady doing little things that aren't the sexy thing, but are, um, vital to executing a Matt painter offense. You know, sometimes those things aren't as appreciated. I feel like from some boilers fans and they just want scoring potential or defensive potential, you know, for ability and athleticism and length. And I understand that there is a balance that Matt painter has to consider there. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I just, some of the comments, like I said, I can read off some, and I'm probably going to be clapping back at some guys here uh, at, on Twitter here after this show is over. I honestly am because it really rubbed me the wrong way how Purdue wins a big game over Gonzaga. We got a big game here tonight against Tennessee to look forward to. Purdue's social team puts out a tweet, and all I see in the comments is shit-talking to Fletcher Lawyer. Like it was 90, it was staggering. It was like 95% his way. Like, what are we doing here, guys? I understand he's had a rough start, but like, that's all you're worried about. Like, my God, are we a spoiled rotten fan base? If that's how we're going to treat our guys and Twitter and social media and Tom Thompson in our YouTube chat are a microcosm of the entire fan base. So I'm certainly not trying to generalize you know, the, the, the loyal fans of this team in any way, shape or form. I am directing my comments that I had to start the show and back on my eighth rant of this show uh, here tonight at those specific people. So I want to just uh, make that clear. So Joe, do you want to go ahead? Yeah. I was just, I wanted to mention, come back to this comment and it's, I think Colvin will be better. Like that's the key word is will be better. I 
don't disagree. Like, I think there's, if you were to look at these two players, it's easy to be like, yeah, Colvin has way more upside. He's only five games in his collegiate career. And like you mentioned, there's little things that just come with being in the Purdue system that Colvin's going to need a little bit of time. Um, and we don't need to talk about this anymore because I've already hit on it. But like Colvin could come out tomorrow and hit five threes and lawyer could go over 10. Um, it's not going to change my view right now on either of them in terms of what they're capable of and things like that. So um, let's who should do you do you want to? I know yeah, there's look, one player you for sure want to talk on. Yeah, we're going to get into the uh, players' uh, individual breakdown. But before we do, I want to give a shout out here to our sponsor here to the show tonight. And it's a good friend of, of Craig's while he's out working the press conferences in uh, Honolulu at the Maui Invitational. And we want to give a shout out to Rainey and Company Real Estate Pros uh, and BJ Rule, Purdue graduate and current Lafayette res- resident. BJ Rule has close to 15 years experience helping buyers, sellers, and real estate investors in Lafayette and surrounding areas. If you are looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, give BJ a call or text to set up an appointment to see how he can help you accomplish your goals. Your home will likely be the most expensive purchase of your life. Have the experts with Rainey and Company at Keller Williams on your side and let BJ help you navigate this process. Call 317-345-4600. So again, that's with Rainey and Company at Keller Williams. Call BJ at 317-345-4600. We appreciate BJ's support. And of course, Rainey and company at Keller Williams. So yeah, let's get into some of the individual stats here on the game. Uh, we can look on both sides of the map. Like you said, this may be a three hour post game show. Cause I'm just so excited, Joe, but we're going to lock in now. You're going to get me focused. Uh, so we're going to go down the board. We've, we've talked a lot about Fletcher lawyer with 27 points on seven of 18 shooting only three of 10 from three, but 10 of 11 from the free throw line with six rebounds in 36 minutes of play and only two turnovers in those 36 minutes. He led the way with minutes here tonight. Um, Braden Smith with a down game by his standards, six points to a nine shooting two of six from the free throw line, uh, 35 minutes of play. Uh, Zach Eady, 23 points, seven of 10 shooting nine of seven, 17 from the free throw line in 26 minutes of play. He got in a little bit of foul trouble and some of those minutes took a bite because of that. Uh, I want to start with Trey Coffin Ren. Let's pull the Band-Aid right now, Joe, and then we can talk about Braden or Zach or any of the other uh, role players here we have on this team. But, you know, I, I kind of want to get we, – we've done so much hype. And uh, Trey Coffin Ren, sorry, i got to pull it up one more time, had eight points on two of seven shooting, four of eight from the free throw line, eight rebounds, two assists, uh, four fouls. So he was able to avoid getting fouled out and only one turnover in 21 minutes of play. There's a lot. There's some ups there. You know, uh, there's some downs. I, I, we don't necessarily have to share what I texted you in the first half. I'm an emotional fan, just like everyone else. And I can acknowledge that, but I am, I just, I'm just getting so frustrated with Trey Kaufman. Ren. I, I, you know, I'm rooting for him. I, that's great. He had some hype going into the season. I don't like the fit with him and Zach Eady at this point. 
I'm, I'm basically trying to pull the plug on that plan. And then the other aspect of it, what, I, what I'm not liking, even when he's not out there with Zach Eady, it's almost like it's the ball is, is falling into the black hole when, when it's passed into him, he has to see the whole court. He cannot just take it and, and go up like he's Zachy. He hasn't earned that right yet to, to not even consider kicking it around, you know, and it, it, okay. He's not getting a double team, but some of these shots he's taking are high degree of difficulty. And I think he'd do himself a lot of favors, kicking it out every once in a while. And I just, I'm not even seeing him looking when he gets the ball in his hands, he's, and he's, he's ready to just go up with it. And Hey, I appreciate the confidence, but they don't feel like high percentage shots. And you know, I, I need, I need him to kind of take a step back and take, take a little bit of a chill pill. Sorry, Joe, you're muted now. I don't know why, man. That was, that was a rough uh, Five, 30 that's... seconds on production, but um, I think, I think you were spot on like TKR gets too much on. I'm just going to shoot. He can hit tough shots. He did not today. Um, two assists. I'm, I'm going to look for those when I watch the game back tomorrow. Uh, that's actually, okay. Quick side note with how them this for the chat. Let me know with there being literal fouls, almost every play in the second half. Like, is it worth a thread? Like, is it worth a thread where it's just going to be like, foul, foul, foul. <laughs> It would Maybe be a funny. It would be a that. funny thread to do, Joe, where it's just threads of the all free the throws, all just the free throws. And then on this end, that would be really funny. Um, but, but um, back to TKR. Yeah, back to TK. Like I think he rebounded well, which is big. Like if he's not going to shoot the ball well, he has to do other stuff. He had eight boards. He had a block. He had a steal. Um, in terms of the EDTKR minutes, we can uh, briefly show this. Like. If you look in the first half, they played eating TKR played those first five minutes together. For anybody that doesn't know, if the block is colored, that means that they played that minute. There is the position kind of uh, legend thing down low to correspond. They played five minutes together in the first half, and they played three minutes together in the second half. And if I'm reading this correctly, which I believe I am, they only played those eight minutes together. And I think that could be more of what you see with this now is – Painter has mentioned, I've definitely heard him say before, he's like, I'm not going to mess with starters and things like that if we keep winning. And right now they keep winning. Um, what you probably will see happen is there's only eight minutes of them together instead of the 12 to 15 we have seen. Um, and then maybe if it, you know, if Purdue starts struggling more and there's some losses, then I wouldn't be shocked to see the, the starting lineup switch. Um, there's also with that of how Painter probably has an idea of how he wants to rotate first and Gillis in and how he wants those all to pair. Um, but yeah, lots to improve for TKR. It, it is tough because there was so much hype with him coming into the season. And we're hoping that he can somehow get near that or, or at that level. But there were some positive things within the midst of the bad, which I think is an improvement compared to the first few games this year. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I, it was a grind. It was a fight. So while I had my frustrations, especially in the first half, he definitely had a better second half than he did a first half. Yes. And I, and I did feel like the moment where first and, and, and TKR were able to connect underneath the hoop and, and it gave TKR that easy bucket. That was a nice play. And, 
you know, he was getting in the fight where he was drawing some fouls too and getting to the free throw line. And I just need him to make those free throws because when yeah. he doesn't, I'm six cursing. Eight. Six of eight would have been great today. He yeah, was four well, of eight. Six of eight would have been great. Yeah. Well, and it just, you know what it is too? Like you say, Zach Eady, you're not worried about. When he goes to the line, I'm a little worried. You know, like he just, yeah, like he's yeah. got a smooth stroke, but and I, we've had he's this so before. Flat. We've had this it before. Well, I'm just saying he can shoot. Yeah. And so, but what happens is, well, and I've seen this here the last four years, and this is why, like, Painter doesn't want to talk about it. He's like, well, they're, they're not trying to sh- miss free throws, but you can tell when some guys, the pressure is on them and is getting to them at the free throw line. And I feel like TKR is one of those guys where he can shoot, but when he gets to the free throw line, the nerves start to set in a little bit. And it throws him off a little bit. That that's honestly how it looks to me. Maybe that's unfair for me to say. I know I would airball the shit out of those free throws tonight, as nervous as I would be. I mean, look at how hyper I'm being here on this show. So imagine me at the free throw line in Honolulu with all those fans staring at me, going crazy. So um, I definitely respect their level of play, but I'm just kind of calling it like I see it. I've watched enough basketball in my life to know when you got somebody that is a little nervous at the free throw line. And I, and I wish these guys, like when you were in the tournament, you see a team go far. You can tell the teams that aren't scared when they step up to the stripe. And I just wish this team and they're, they're showing it like tonight. They didn't, they didn't back down from the fight, but I, I want them to like rid all that nervous energy. Just like I'm purging all this excitement energy out of my system tonight. I want them to just purge all that nervous energy and just be confident in everything they do, but you know, they're young kids to an extent. It's a, not an easy game. There's a lot of pressure on the line. Their careers are on the line. So I get it, but I just want them to just exude confidence at all times, knock those free throws down. That's a lot of what the free throw game is about. Can we go to Braden Smith? Um, He's kind of, he's somebody I want to hit on hundred percent. Not his best game, six points, five rebounds, an assist, three turnovers, three steals. Like, I don't think it was like an abysmal game from him, but it showed me. I I said yesterday, I wanted Tennessee, like, I wanted this matchup because Tennessee is going to be physical and Tennessee is going to make you work as a point guard. Um, and I wanted to see what Smith did, and it wasn't a great, wasn't a great showing. He just, I think he got sped up a little bit too much. And then <clears throat> when Tennessee, Tennessee would hard hedge a lot of the pick and rolls. And so they would, you know, step out and make him basically have to retreat on his dribble. It felt like a lot of times he just, just was out of source after that. Um, I don't know if it's, he's just got to hit the roller quicker or if he just has to pass out, pass ahead of it as that screen happens. Um, and he's so good with the ball that there are times, and I know that's what he's kind of looking for is he's trying to just string out that big and, He's almost, he's not trying to get trapped, but he's essentially trying to almost get trapped and bring two guys to him so that way he can just find somebody. Um, but with the Tennessee length and physicality, I thought it was just harder for him to do that. Plus, well, and, and that was no one thing I didn't like in the second half shooting. was that's the one thing, sorry for cutting you off, but no, that's good. the one thing that I didn't like was the, the, the easy buckets were impossible to come by tonight for both teams. And the one time it felt like Purdue pushed the pace off a rebound. Braden Smith gets to the other end and, and they find their way to an easy bucket on a fast break. Um, I can't remember if Braden finished it or if he, he dished it off to somebody, but 
Then when they had the next inbounds, Braden walked it up, and it was, that was that moment where it almost got knocked out of bounds off his knee. They saved it. I think Fletcher Lawyer or somebody dove at it, and, and they were able to retain the basketball. But it was like I just felt like at times like slowing down was helping Tennessee because they were able to settle into their defense and use their length to their advantage. Like sometimes I just wish Purdue when they're in a, when, when a team's slugging at them like that, just push the, the push the tempo. Cause Braden Smith isn't a freshman anymore. You know, he, he, I think yeah. he, I, I would put a little more trust in him to push the tempo and not play outside of himself and make the right decisions. Yeah. And Purdue's done that this year. Like they've shown the willingness to run more and more. Um, I think they're part of it quite literally was just because there was fouls and free throws, every possession. It's hard to run on those, but even when, like, even when there were misses, they, there was times that I thought they, they could have pushed it more and they didn't. I was surprised. I don't know if that's a painter. Just, I don't know if that's like a painter decision of, Hey, we're, you know, we don't want to, they're, they're really good defensively. Like we don't want to give them easy buckets that way. Or if it was more of a Braden just not being comfortable. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be something to monitor. That's why I like just this game in general, I think it was a good game. Um, and this also, is a fair comment from Midwest Tucker too tired after all the running last night. That That's the other yeah. element too. You know, these games aren't in a vacuum. They literally played a game last night. They're playing yep. in Hawaii where you talk about jet lag and the time zone difference. You know, I was talking to Craig this morning at 3 a.m. because his sleep schedule is so off. It wasn't yeah. that he was partying throughout the night. He fell asleep at a weird hour because he's just everything is thrown off for him. So imagine also having to play couple basketball games within that so that's the and, other aspect that we have to take into consideration yeah no 100 100 so that was that was kind of all i had on Braden. i just want to see him be more consistent against that hedge i think if he becomes consistent against that hard hedge and pick and roll lookout like he's already been really good this year it could go to a whole nother level because that's kind of the last thing that i think for me he has to kind of um i want to see from him is it, just yeah. beat that and then from there, it'll be uh, it'll be fun, even yeah. more fun. Rowlett Boiler says, "You think they were tired after last night? They're going to be black and blue and tired after tonight." That's a good point. It was a long game, not only a long game but a slugfest. I guess being the first game, they're able to get back to their rooms a little faster and try to rest up. Uh, Kansas and Marquette are, you know, still in ten minutes in the first half, and uh, Marquette with a nine-point lead. 25 yep. to 16. Um, so, you know, both teams are going to have fatigue, but Purdue certainly, I, I don't think I, I don't think I have to watch the rest of this Marquette Kansas game to know that the Purdue game is probably the more physical of the two that of the t whoever wins this one. So, yeah, no, uh, for sure. but they have the depth on their side, you know, and, and while tonight it was Fletcher lawyers night last night, it was, you know, Lance Jones's night, you know, maybe tomorrow it's Mason Gillis's night or, you know, somebody, you know, even Ethan Morton who hasn't gotten many minutes here, these last couple games, maybe that's the curveball that Matt painter, you know, has up his sleeve, you know, has given Ethan a few more minutes and letting him get into a rhythm, but you know, I'm sure he's going to stick with the rotations he has, but, uh, at the end of the day, it just goes to show you the quality depth of this team is, you know, always going to show itself out at points where guys are going to be able to step up that you're not expecting like Fletcher lawyer, who everybody had something to say about last night. Uh, yeah. Uh, before we get into 
some of the other players. Craig is sending in some pretty good quotes from the the press conferences, and we'll start out just from the top. Um, Zach Eady calls Purdue a super versatile, versatile team in regards to being able to win a game like yesterday and a game like today. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer said, yeah, like he said, the versatility. I don't think I've heard I don't think I've heard him use that big of a word before <laughs> joking about Zach Eady. So, uh, you know, having some fun in there. Lawyer says, we got a lot of guys that can go. A lot of guys on the bench. Ethan Morton sat over there, but he came in ready to fucking win. Uh, you know, so lawyer, obviously, yeah, uh, obviously Fletcher lawyer, pretty fired up, uh, after tonight, uh, he said he helped us come in there and get a stop there at the end. So, you know, they, they don't lose sight of even the, the, the last guy off the bench that's getting the shortest amount of minutes. It's a team effort win across the board, Zach on his free throws, uh, Gillis told me I was trying to aim too much. So I just tried to, to look level with the rim and shoot it. He does have an interesting process. They talked about this on the broadcast, how he doesn't take his eyes off the rim. Um, he has been last just, year. Yeah. He, he, he has kind of the same process last year as well. And it definitely seems to be working for him. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of the, you know, the nature of Zach's process there. Uh, Zach on if back-to-back days impacted anything. He said, I felt perfect. Uh, so there's your national player of the year, not talking about any kind of fatigue or anything of that nature. Matt Painter, here's some quotes from uh, him at the press co- conferences, courtesy of Craig Bowers, who's working hard down at the Maui Invitational in Honolulu. Yes, we're jealous. He said, just one of those grinder type of games. I thought our guys made plays. I thought we were pretty good yesterday when Zach wasn't in and thought we were again today good without him and hung tough. Uh, so, you know, giving a shout out to the team when, when they don't have their national player of the year on the floor, uh, talk about some good depth. Uh, so, uh, Matt painter spoke on the fouls on the amount of fouls. And if that's on players or refs, and he said, I'll wait on it because of Zach. I, I'll, I'll weigh in. I'll, Yeah, I'll weigh in on it because of Zach. I don't think this game, the way of Zach, uh, sorry, Craig's kind of confused me. Help me out here, Joe, because he says, I don't think this game's the way of Zach Eady doesn't play in the game. He doesn't think the game is the way of Zach Eady is not in the game. Right. And the guys are going to balance it at some point. They say they don't. Not saying we don't foul. We had the number one free throw disparity in the country last year. We don't want everybody's rules and Zach Eady's rules. We want the rules to be the same. As long as it's the rules are the same for post play, so be it. You just want it where it's an even playing field. That doesn't mean the fouls are the same. The amount called, it's just about the fouls being right. And and I agree with that. That's what happened at the end of the game where one of their guys fouled out for that over the back. Zach Eady had just gotten an over the back call, which you could you could like Zach's tall. So his over the back isn't the same as a six foot 10 guys over the back because he's able to extend his arms where yes, in the technical definition of, you know, someone coming over the top of you, but he's not touching that person. Now I'm not going to fight that call because his arms then came down on the rebound and there was contact. You want to call it, call it over the back. Okay. Zach Eady gets his fourth foul, but then, you can't complain on the other end when you get an over the back call. That's clear as day. 
So, you know, Tennessee was kind of barking up the wrong tree, begging for foul calls. Well, they got them, and so did Purdue. And they also got a technical foul for complaining about not getting enough foul calls. Yep, that's – I don't have too much to add on that, on the free throws or in the fouls. Like, it, we've seen it for a year now. It's just – it is different rules with Zach. Um, and opposing fan bases always like to – just in general, like to point to the free throw discrepancy, like – Cobra, uh, Cobra stats. I think he's, he's popped in here for a little bit. Definitely follow him on Twitter. If you had, he just put out a thread today or yesterday. Um, definitely go check that out about basically, Hey, teams shoot less free throws against Purdue because they take fewer like shots that lead to free throws. Whereas Purdue is going to jam it into the rim and they're going to get it into the post and just, you have to throw two bodies on ED. Um, that, that's just, it's the way it is because of how they play. And it's as simple as that. And you just hope that like painter said, uh, the refs just call it evenly across all the players. If it's going to be a super touchy game, that is super touchy for everybody. If it's going to be a super physical game, then super let it be super physical for everybody. Um, and then not just let, you know, especially when Edie gets those six, five, six, six dudes on him, they can kind of just shove them if they want or sh- or try to shove them if they want. Yeah. hundred so, percent. All um, right. Well, where do you want to go next, Joe? Caleb first is where I want to go because he played um, 20 minutes. He, yeah, 20 minutes. I was trying to find the second half numbers. He played 14 minutes in the second half. And Purdue, like Purdue absolutely needed him. Um, you can see, yeah, he he sat the first or seven. So he played 13 in the second half. Um, he did not sit after he came in. And it was just because of what he could do defensively. He rebounded really well, I thought. Um, or he, he only had four rebounds. I just thought he affected the game in a way that Purdue needed. He was athletic. He's strong. Um, knocked down, you know, three or four free throws. You're hoping to see better just finishing at the rim and, and if he takes any threes. Um, but then defensively, he is he is he's one of the most, if not the most, like versatile defender Purdue has because he truly can guard fives. He can step out on the perimeter and guard a four. I had a specific possession marked. It's in my notes right here. Uh, first with a big contest on a three with a minute 45 left. Jones and Lawyer on that play, there was an off-ball uh, action. Lawyer and Jones get caught on miscommunication. They two go to one, and the other guy, um, it was it was their shooter too, I think. It was, uh, the I think Ganey maybe, who, who, I think it was Ganey, um, who hit a couple threes at that point. He yeah. was the one that had a yeah. wide open three, and you see first just take off from the rim, and he gets a contest because he's 6'11", lanky, like, just made right, made the right plays defensively. Um, didn't no turnovers, so he wasn't like you know a negative on offense. And just he he's kind of like Ethan Morton, where he just makes the plays that don't show up always. And right. I want to give him his credit for that because well, and even at one point, huge. even at one point, he affected where he almost got a rebound, and then he he stayed with it, didn't get it because that's the one thing that drives me nuts about first is. It, it just seems like him and Gillis, uh, the ball just fumbles out of their hands a million times. Like everything's just like, it's like that guy that in that commercial where he's juggling all the different water things to clean his car. And sometimes that's how Caleb and, and, and Gillis, but mostly Caleb look, they're like falling all over each other and are falling all over themselves while they're fumbling the ball. And I'm just like, grab the freaking ball, you know, but at the same time, just his activity will throw the other team off. So while there was one play specifically in the second half where he stayed with it, didn't get it, but it caused Tennessee to turn the ball over and it went out of bounds on the sideline. 
Uh, and, and that was just another moment where that's not necessarily going to show up on the stat sheet for, um, Caleb first, but it shows you how he affects the game with his activity. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's why, like, when we talk about throughout the whole season, when we're going to talk about like, why did Painter go with this guy over this guy? Sometimes it's going to be clear. Like yesterday, Colvin hits two threes. That's why he's playing down the stretch, but then there's going to be times where it's like first and, um, he just, he just does the little things or odd, um, any one of the guys really could do it that you kind of are, could be in that rotation, could not be in that rotation down the stretch. Um, just, yeah, a big game from him. And, and especially cause Gillis was, I don't know what was up. Just kind of, we've seen a few comments in it, like butterfingers and stuff like that. So just the ball slipping some mistakes that aren't characteristic for Gillis at all. Um, I do like, I mean, he only took two shots in, in 12 minutes. He missed both. Um, had a couple really like offensive rebounds where he kind of skied up there for him. Um, but I have liked it hasn't been shown a ton, but he's shown a willingness more to put the ball on the ground if he needs it. If teams close out on him hard, he can pump fake, get one or two dribbles and either maybe not get to a pull, but just kind of make the defense keep working. And I think that's a big improvement because last year I think it was very much he was going to shoot a three or he was going to pass. Now if he can take a dribble or two, what that's going to do is that's going to keep the defense in the rotation. Now somebody else has to kind of step up and cover him. He can either dish it out. He can shoot a pull-up. Um, and so there's that element that I like. But, yeah, just I don't quite know what was – I don't know quite – I don't quite know how I would describe it, but it was just a a weird night for Gillis. And, and another reason why I thought first got to that 20-minute mark, especially in that second half. Well, and that's why I'm hoping, like, tomorrow's the Mason Gillis game. Like, because yeah, could be. he, he's kind of getting lost in the shuffle, it feels like, here to start the year. But we all know what he's capable of. I mean, shoot, he got Steph Curry hot last year against Penn State. Like, he, he can shoot with the best of them. That's why sometimes I get frustrated and greedy. Like, when these guys miss open threes, at one point he missed one that was open. You, you got to make those, you know? Like, it's easy for me to say, but it's just the truth. Like, this team wants to get to a Final Four in a national championship. You can't just expect it, it. It just would be nice if they got to a point where it's not just what. Okay, tonight's Lance Jones's turn to be hot. And tomorrow night's it's it's uh, Fletcher Lawyer's night to be hot. Like if they could have more of an even distribution of the scoring, and that's going to make it so much harder for defenses to key in. And uh, but you know when they're hitting on all cylinders, those days will come. But I hope there's more of those days than what they've had to do to win here these last two nights. And that's you know the finding that one hot hand off to offset Zach Eady. There's going to be a night this year that like just everybody's on. It's probably only gonna be one game. It's always against probably... I it's always against Iowa. Interesting. I feel yeah. like, I feel like it's always against I mean, that Iowa. Could be because Iowa just doesn't play defense too, but um, <laughs> they don't. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's going to be one night. Hopefully it's in Mackey and there's going to be like 17 threes. Like everybody's just going to be on and it's going to be a fun night. I don't know when it'll be, and I don't expect it to be for more than one game, but it's 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 going to come at some point. It's going to be fun. Yeah, um, Alex says, "Poor Iowa." I mean, no, they know I, it. I don't even think they could, like. <laughs> I don't know. I I put out a tweet. Iowa during, caught a stray here tonight. They're not even here, and they caught a stray on us. So when, when they played the against Creighton, and that game was a lot of fun to watch. Just back and forth. I really put out a tweet. It's like, like, do we think Fran McCaffrey discusses defense in his huddles? Like, truthfully, <laughs> do we think so? Well, and that's, I don't think so. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I feel like we don't talk enough about defense on our shows. Everything is always offense. And that's a lot. Uh, I have a lot to be blamed for that. Um, but so that's a good segue because 
tonight, what Tennessee did to stay in that game and almost win it was this defensive adjustment where they were doing pin down stuff. You see Purdue run a lot where there's some backdoor screens that were opening guys up for wide open threes. I don't know if you have your chalkboard around you or if you're even prepared for this moment that I'm just throwing at you, but maybe explain to the viewers that are tuned in to our YouTube channel. Uh, you know, some will be listening on audio platforms later uh, and try to explain exactly what Tennessee was doing to Purdue to open up some of those threes. First, that's what I want you to explain. And then second, I want you to explain to me how Purdue can make sure that doesn't happen tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, just drawing it look up at, real quick. Gonna at, do look my, at Joe. I can just throw a curveball at him and he's ready for it. He just springs right into action. No deer in the headlights look. He's ready for his moment. Uh, I think this is our first dry erase board segment. What did we call these last year, Joe? I can't remember X's, now. Is it X's and Joe's? X's X's with the Joe. I don't know. X's and Joe's. We'll come up with it. It's a working title. Go ahead, Joe. Fire away. And so this is, I'm going to just call this a rough um, estimate. Like, I don't actually quite know where this fifth dude is. He could be there. But really, all it wasn't anything too crazy. Basically, if they're set up in some sort of like this, right? Like, whatever it is, balls up here. This guy would kind of cut through, and now he clears out in some fashion, and the ball is kind of moving back and forth over here. And so as that's happening, right? So now you have this guy over here it was really just a simple he's coming through and just coming up and so this guy's just all he's doing is just setting this little pin down screen here and what purdue was doing um and, and Braden did it for sure i think jones did it a couple times yeah jones uh, lawyer, got caught a couple times yeah lawyer colvin like you could kind of go up and down the roster i think everybody did it at some point is this guy would be about here like in this area before it felt like this guy was really making a move and so now as he's coming off this pin down that's happening right here, and this is also I'm going to throw out, this is usually ED or TKR first. So they're not really going to, um, you know, step out and help on this. So as this guy, right, he's here, our defender is in this general area or what, or this area, he's a step or two behind the whole way. And so now as he's coming off, this screen can even come over farther and really be like this. And so now he's curling. This guy isn't really helping because that's generally a Purdue big. Um, and this guy, our defender's trailing. And so now they, they just get it. It's just simple pin down action. Um, and and I'll, if I do the threat, I'll clip it tomorrow. But it was just Purdue's defenders felt like they were always like two steps behind coming off this stuff. And Tennessee hit threes at the right time. They, Like you said, they went to it quite a few times in that second half. And that was when they got close. It was simple pin down or pin in kind of variation. And um, and, yeah. and essentially the reason it works is because where the pin is happening is with our big and the mm -hmm. big isn't going to go out yeah. and help. And like, so first is probably better about that, right? To get out there and hedge a little bit to You'll delay that guy. action. Yeah. But Zach, if it's Zach out there, it puts them in a little bit of a bind because he's going to stay with his man down low and not necessarily chase the guy off the three point line. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like, uh, and there is the other thing with it too. I erased a lot of it, but we get the general gist. This guy's coming off a, a pin down here, and then they have here. If this big, like, steps out here to try to hedge, the all, like, truthfully, the only one I would trust doing it is first, because what can happen if, say, Tennessee knows that's happening, this guy can just slip. So he's 
instead of coming out and setting this actual pin down, he's just going to kind of do this. And if this guy's hedging, we have the trailer defender here. We have guy here, guy here, defender, defender. We basically produce only hope then is that this is one of these guys is like Gillis or whoever's the other big, and they can rotate really, really fast to get there. But even then, then it's a two-on-one. So part of it too is trying to keep people out of the paints, but um, it's a it's a give and take, right? It's do you want to kind of have your guy try to make that um, if you're on it, if you're on it, right? Then you kind of make that guy step out and maybe delay that that uh, pass to the shooter. But then you're risking a big slipping and, and getting a bucket that way. So there's just um, a lot of stuff that just go into it. But yeah, like you said, ED in general, um, TKR, they're for sure going to be kind of just staying back and, and taking, letting them be out there. First and Gillis have the potential to kind of be step out onto the perimeter if they need to. Yeah, Michael Van Meter here in the chat says, Joe, if you start an X's and O's for dummies, please let me know. That's essentially what he's doing here while he's explaining it to me. Uh, as as he said, you know, pretty simple concept there with a pin down. And we've seen it. If you follow Purdue basketball enough, you know that we run those plays a lot. And uh, there's different kind of variations and wrinkles. And that's what I love about Painter. It seems like he's got different wrinkles to spring guys open on Chicago action and different yep. things like that. But essentially, at the end of the day, it's the same kind of concepts uh, getting a pin down. So sticking with the defensive theme, I want to flip it to the other side of the ball because their best player was held scoreless until right at the very end where he knocked down a three to cut it from six to three with a few seconds left. Uh, Dalton connect. Uh, this dude uh, can play <laughs> ladies oh, and gentlemen. Yeah. He can play. He's NBA talent on the offensive side of the ball. 16 points, six of 13 shooting three of five from the three point line. Only two free throws on the night shooting one and two from the stripe, seven rebounds, two assists in 32 minutes of play. This was something Craig was really worried about with this guy being a matchup problem for Purdue. Mm -hmm. Well, they held him to 16. He went off in the first half and then only three points in the second half. Joe, what did you see from Purdue where they were able to hold him at bay? Um, okay. So truthfully, I like truthfully think one of the things was all the fouls, just taking them out of rhythm. Like I, we've harped on it, but like, I think it allowed <clears throat> forced them to not be set as much, but then also, um, I thought Tennessee started not give just not giving him the ball as much. And I think you saw Purdue probably shade him a bit more. Um, and so what I mean by that is just like Purdue is a, a defense that generally will help a lot, help in the paints, um, and, and try to force tough twos. Connect can hit those. Connect can post up. Connect can hit threes. Can all of it. Um, and so I think you saw them just pay more attention to him and be like, "Hey, he cannot. Basically, he cannot touch the ball." They weren't full on denying, but um, just yeah, trying to take, just trying to make life tough. Like if he was coming off a screen, it's probably a switch, or he's getting bumped, or, or things like that. Uh, just making life as difficult as possible on him because when, yeah. when he went to the rack on Zach Eady, like that was one point, like where. When I talk about having respect for Tennessee tonight, that was one play where I was like, damn, like he, he took it right to Zach and it was a nice finish over him. He like, I think somewhere in my notes is basically, I was like, okay, Jones gets a crack at him. Okay. First gets a crack at him. Okay. Heidi Cole, like Purdue tried everybody in that first half and uh, it didn't really matter. Like connect just that good. Um, like you said, he took one on ED uh, just, yeah, uh, I think just, Paying more attention, being a bit more physical with him in that second half help. I'm going to 
bring up this comment from Alex Rockhold. Remember when IU thought they were going to get connect? Uh, yeah, I tweeted. I think I tweeted that during the game too. Of just like I, I from um, I think assembly call or whatever said like it wasn't maybe it wasn't as far, far as long as I had thought. I thought they were like a finalist, and maybe it wasn't quite that far. But still, there was a there was a chance that they would have got him, and he would have been the exact guy that they need right now. But uh, yeah. Really good second half on him, just taking him out of his rhythm, not letting him get too many good. He got the one good look off of the pin down. And just, I think, I forget but who I it was. Agree. I think it was Jones, Trails, and open three. But I agree with you. I think just through all the fouls getting lost in the shuffle, I mean, Purdue was, they they had eight fouls with like 12 minutes still to play in the second half. They were in the double yep. bonus faster than I've ever seen them in the double bonus. Um, and then what ended up happening is, Anytime Marquette would try to set up their, their offense, there'd be a foul called on the off ball action going on. What did I say? Yeah. You said Marquette Marquette. Yeah. Cause I got Marquette on the TV to the left of me. So yes, Tennessee on their off ball action before they're even, even able to get into their offense. Uh, there there's a foul called and they're heading right back to the free throw line. It yeah. was, it was driving me insane to be quite honest with you. Uh, there was, was a point there where it was like, okay, guys, some of the fouls like underneath and the banging, I was I was okay with across the board. And then some of that off ball stuff where, you know, like it was going both ways too. At one point, Trey Kaufman ran, got a foul where a guy came into his chest and Trey, Trey's like, you know, and he's selling it good. And it's just like, all right, let's not let this. I don't mind calling the fouls when it's, you know, guys duking it out, but let's not pile on to this problem by also given the ticky tack calls too, but I guess just when you get into a muddy game like that, that's just what it turns into. We do have some breaking news here at this show, Joe, and that is um, Bitcoin is freedom. And for those of you that are new to this channel and new to our show, uh, Bitcoin is freedom is back. You've heard of bits and this is our Biff where I'm going to, Bitcoin, I'm, I've, I've, uh, taken up uh photoshop abilities i'm a little uh a little more clutch in my producer skills now so your acronyms are biff i think i'm gonna find a way to integrate that into the show uh from a, a back to the future trilogy that you know one of the best trilogies out there so biff is back uh, aka bitcoin is freedom he's going to be keeping us in check as he always does here uh in the chats of our boilers in the stand shows uh, we are missing our other guy too, um, Craig. Yeah, uh, Corey Lesney. Oh, Corey. Corey, who? Yeah, of course we're missing Craig, but our other yeah, guy yeah. that keeps us honest here in the chat, and that's Corey Lesney. Uh, he's he probably been there for a bit, but yeah, we need uh, a we need a Corey and Bitcoin is freedom uh, matchup mashup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I hope Tom Thompson is tuned in. You know, no, hey, all love Tom. You want to come at me? I can, I can take the heat. I get a lot worse things said to me when I do my CHGO bear shows. So I can, uh, I can take the heat, uh, but you know what you're going to uh, here. It's Corey Leslie is here. Uh, he says, sorry, I've missed a bunch of this tonight. I'm overseas in foreign land, spotty internet. Uh, all good, Corey. Uh, we but appreciate we appreciate, yeah, in. we appreciate everybody tuning in. If you hit that like button, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, please do already. We're going to have another post game show ready for you tomorrow. tomorrow. Uh, that's going to be a little tricky one. Hopefully Craig is able to join Joe because I am going to be at the CHGO sports studios in Chicago 
I got a Bears show, then I'm producing a White Sox show, and then our our bets show, which is talking about some of the gambling. Trust me, I wish I could uh, just completely ignore those shows. I if you think I want to produce a White Sox show over doing this show, you're crazy. But unfortunately, it's my job now, uh, and and I gotta you know pay the bills here and, and do my responsibilities. So I do not think unless we are going to wait to do our post game show, uh, which I don't think is in the cards. I think either Joe's going to be solo tomorrow or we can have a guest host on. I think there's other uh, candidates. I think that might want to, you know, potentially pop on with you if you don't want to be a one man band tomorrow. And then hopefully Craig can also join. Is there anybody else that you want to spotlight before we call it? I mean, it's halftime of the Marquette, Kansas game. We can let all our viewers get back to watching whoever we're going to face off. Marquette certainly looking formidable here in the first half. Is there anybody else you want to cover uh, before we before we kind of hang things up for the night? I think the only players we really haven't hit on, like we kind of hit on Morton, uh, made some really good defensive plays. Uh, only six minutes, like just I, it's cool to see him. I th- at least on the outside, like accept the role of, hey, you're going from a 25 minutes per game guy last year to, you know, anywhere from five to 15 this year. Uh, but the only guy we haven't really hit on is Lance Jones. I don't know. I thought the the step back three was amazing. This was also a game where we saw the shot selection just not be good. Um, I think I'm kind of getting more and more of like, that's just what it's going to be. There's going to be great games with it. There's going to be games that he's just... 0 for 8 or 1 for 8 or whatever. Um, I Hard think to say that the shot selection was too bad when he only took four shots. Took, you know, it, no, that's true. I, you know, that three of them were bad, to be honest. Right. My, the shots he did, but it, it, but as long as it, like, if you're going to have bad shot selection night, at least it's not a night where you're shooting 13 of those bad shots. You can't true. let it. And Matt Painter will never allow that, you know, true. and it would never I mean, get yeah, to he that got benched last game for that. Right. So, you know, I get because I'm not gonna, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Last night he had a tough first half. Some of the shot selection wasn't great, and then he caught fire in the second half, and that's what helped catapult them over Gonzaga. So then tonight, yeah, a couple bad shot selections, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. And Corey, you know, we've we've had this discussion with Corey Leslie here in our chat uh early in the season, but I'm gonna take the good with the bad with him because they need yeah. guys that are always aggressive, that always have that green light. And as long as he plays with a little bit of veteran discipline, uh, I'll take, you know, a couple shots that are rushed. Uh, we all understand when somebody takes a shot early in the shot clock before you even get into the offense, what Matt Painter thinks of that. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Um, and yeah, it, there's, I, I sh- you're right. You're good to correct me there. Cause he is showing a little bit more of working into the system. Um, it just is like it comes in. It was, honestly, it might have been just, it might have been looked that bad to me because it was just like a random spurt where I think he put up like two and three possessions or four possessions. Um, but defensively, like yes, Connect got his in the first half. I thought he was much better in the second half. He's just a guy that can be the defender. Um, we've already mentioned Connect is really really good. So I don't know what's really takeaway there. Um, I was intrigued. I was intrigued by this matchup because of Connect. I um, like Connect's a six foot six wing, and we've seen Jones play really well against the guards and the perimeters that teams that we played. What does it look like against a wing? I think the jury's probably still a little bit out on that. If 
um, Kansas comes back, then there'll be an interesting matchup there. If he gets Kevin McCuller, who's like a six foot seven dude, I think he has a triple double, I believe on the year already. Um, so that'll be interesting. Even Marquette, like that would be an interesting matchup of, cause Jones is the best perimeter defender out of those three. And we're, like I said earlier, expect all expect, expect the same starters until Purdue like really struggles and then a switch would happen. Um, and so if they play, you know, if they play Marquette, like he, he might get Kolek, and then now that leaves like lawyer on Jones. It's going to be interesting, and um, Painter's going to have all year where he's just going to kind of have to toy with a lot of it, and Jones is going to have some really, really tough matchups. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Would it be safe to say, you know, because I, obviously I was kind of looking ahead to, um, you know, looking ahead to number one versus number two. I like the, you know, I like the Goliath matchup there with Kansas, the winningest uh, basketball program in the country in ever in college basketball history going up against Purdue. Uh, but at the same time, if it's Marquette and Marquette takes down number one, Kansas, and then Purdue's there at number two, would Purdue versus Marquette essentially be the battle for who's number one in the country come Monday? Um. Probably would, who's I don't even know who's Arizona, Arizona. Uh, right. Let's see who. Maybe. I mean, how how would they not reward be. that to Marquette if they were to take yeah. down number one and number two back to back games? Like no, for sure, and especially because they're number four right now. Right, right. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, whoever so, whoever wins Maui will be ranked number. As one. long as tomorrow night's game is the battle for number one in the country, then I, then I then I don't care who the matchup is. Although Kansas has a little more appeal, there's some familiarity there with Marquette. Uh, if you rewind back to last year's game against Marquette uh, at Mackey Arena, Marquette had their number. They were up on them in the second half with ten or eight minutes to go, and then Braden Smith caught fire. That was like the then first moment that Braden Smith kind of showed who he was going to be uh, for this team and in the big 10 and, and now the country, you know, given teams, you know, out of the conference fits, you know, as well as within the big 10. So, um, you know, they'll definitely be a tough matchup. They're giving Kansas all they got right now, uh, but yep. don't count oh, out Kansas, you know, Kansas is a tough team in their own right. So it should be an interesting second half here. Uh, so I think that's about all I got. I think I've purged all my excitement out for tonight. You got anything else, Joe? Yeah, I think we think we hit on in some fashion. We hit on all 10 players that played. Um, I've hit on painter a little bit with the rotation stuff. We hit on refs. We hit on fouls. You called out fans. I, I think we've I think we've hit pretty much everything at this point. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we couldn't hear from Craig tonight, you know, uh, working hard you know, at the press conferences, getting some quotes up and, um, you know, he, he's going to probably enjoy the rest of this Kansas, um, Marquette game like the rest of us will. So, uh, certainly no problem there, but we always miss his insight and, uh, we look forward to him, you know, jumping back on if he can here tomorrow, uh, stay tuned. I'll have a link up for tomorrow's post game show here tonight, uh, while I'm watching the second half of this game. Uh, so make sure you hit the like and notification button on that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. everybody doing that, doing that before we go, like when, if you see it tomorrow morning or whatever, 
hit that like for us. It, it really does help us even yeah, before and, the show and, starts. And if you hit the no- notification button too, that's always a big thing. So if you're somebody that's enjoying what we're doing here and you want to find a way to support us, I've had people reach out like, hey, how can I support you in different ways? Honestly, as of right now, we don't need nothing from you but a click, a couple clicks. Hit that like button. Hit the no- notification button on uh, you know, tomorrow's episode that's coming up. Those are the things that are going to send that algorithm around to fans that haven't found us yet and help grow this community that we're doing here at boilers in the stands. So we appreciate everybody hanging out here tonight with us. Uh, Stay tuned for tomorrow. Going to be a big game championship game at the Maui invitational, the 40th year of the Maui invitational. And they've never had a more stacked group of teams. there. number one in the country, number two in the country, number four in the country, number seven in the country, number 11 in the country. Uh, and, and Purdue, you know, took down Gonzaga and Tennessee back to back. So, uh, looking forward to tomorrow. I don't care who it is. Um, so yes, I, you know, I'm two, two days in a row with the Hawaiian shirts. I got, I got a special one coming out tomorrow. Hopefully it's after a win, but Okay. Uh, we'll go three for three on the Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. So Corey, you're just going to says, whoa, just got here. What's the rush? Well, we're going to watch the second half of this just because you're late. We're going to do you a favor. We're going to end this show. And that means you can watch the start of the show. Uh, as soon as this is over, you can, if you missed any of the beginning, as soon as this is over, you can go back and watch the beginning where I let all the fans talking shit on, on Fletcher lawyer have it here tonight. That felt good to uh to let those people know so uh all right i think that does it there's my midwestern goodbye once again thank you to everybody tuning in thank you to craig bowers out there working hard in honolulu while he's doing a little half work half vacation trip out there covering uh the purdue boilermakers here at boilers of the stands so we will see you tomorrow night and always boiler up